The exposition Bob says it's time to start the podcast, Chris. This week, Lego exposition. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and story building. Oh, see what see what I did there. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are looking at Oh, deconstructing. I missed it. Deconstructing Lego movie to the second part. It has um, been out for like 12 hours here at the time of recording. (laughs) It's still fresh. And in terms of Rotten Tomatoes, it is still fresh as well. So lots of parallels today. (laughs) It means two things, that word. (laughs) I could have done that sentence in a different construction. It's also like the theme of the movie of things meeting multiple things and working on meta levels. Yes. So, um, like always, if you are listening to us because you don't know if you want to see this movie, we will have a spoiler-free zone. Spoiler-free zone! And then we will have a spoiler zone um, for those of you who've watched the movie and just can't get enough. You just want to learn more and you're like, I want all my friends to discuss it. Where are my friends? You know, because when you see something awesome and you just want to talk to your friends about it, um, either we're your friends to talk to or you're our friends to talk to about it being awesome. I was going to say, we're just the animation friends who live as voices in your head with your AirPods plugged in, walking around. Or you're in your car on a commute going like, Yeah, that was an awesome movie. I just want to hear people talking about it because of the way we do. And now you're pointing at your car stereo saying, they really get me. They know that I'm commuting. Yeah, we do know you. Don't think any more about it. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Um, Starting, of course, in the spoiler-free zone. I feel like there should be like a... Like, boah, like electric guitar thing every time we t- say spoiler-free zone. I feel like we always talk about sound effects. We should just get some sound effects to give to Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here in the spoiler-free zone of our talk about Lego Movie 2, the second part, uh, what would we like to say just in general about this film? Well, let's talk a little bit about the background, because I didn't realize it's been five years since the Lego Movie 1 came out. It feels like just yesterday since I just watched it three days ago. (laughs) Yeah, there's that too. I didn't see it when it first came out, but I feel like I still saw it in the first year. Because I don't think we did an episode about it. Or was it before our podcast? It was before podcast. It was before our podcast. So the Lego Movie franchise is older than our podcast. But not by much. Not by much. Um, I I do remember seeing the first movie in one of those dine-in theaters on accident. We didn't realize. I saw it with my wife. We didn't realize it was a dine-in theater. And um, we were the only people in the theater. 
So we had it all to ourselves. So we just kept calling the waiter and he was like a really friendly guy. And we just kept ordering like alcoholic drinks and stuff. It was like 11 a.m. on a on Valentine's Day. And we took each other to go see the Lego movie. It's the best way to see the Lego movie. (laughs) If that tells you anything about my marriage. Um, But we were just having the time of our lives in it. I just I just remember laughing nonstop and just being tickled and not just because of, you know, like a a glass of movie theater wine or anything. It was like it was legitimately funny and surprising. Mm -hmm. But five years. It was surprising. I think everyone was surprised, much like how everyone is surprised by Spider-Verse right now. Mm. Can you say one or two more sentences about that? So to me, being fresh off the heels of Spider-Verse also, it feels like there's a lot of parallels, since that's the theme of the episode, to Lego Movie 1. Whatever it said, oh, familiar property that someone's doing this animated movie about with a new style, and I kind of don't want to see it because it's going to feel like they're just cashing it. And then it's like this wholly original story and world, and it drives filmmaking and storytelling forward, and they're <laughs> both written by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. <laughs> Hmm. 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 I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> I mean, it is. It did feel when it was announced. It was announced alongside things like the Monopoly movie and did like that ever Battleship. I, no, the Monopoly movie never happened. Um, or was that was, just real life? Was that just the American politics? Right. That was. <laughs> that was 2016. Um, <laughs> but I feel like. It was, it was announced right around all these toy properties and just saying, why? Why, are, why do we have a Lego movie that's just a major cash in? And it didn't have a reason to exist other than let's sell a lot of Legos. It's, it's what we as an audience and as cynical people <laughs> thought <laughs> going into that movie I really didn't know what to expect going in, but I didn't, I got something completely original and unexpected, which was um, a good story and characters I cared about and really interesting comedy that straddles both being meta about itself, but also being just fun for the sake of having fun. Yeah. And I feel like at this point, people either haven't seen the first one and don't intend to see any Lego movies, Mm -hmm. or they've seen the first Lego movie and either know the ride they're getting into and love it, or know they don't want to get back into that ride. Right. Um, We wanted to get back into that ride. Oh, yes. Right away. (laughs) Right away. Instead, we waited five years. (laughs) But we did talk about Lego Batman. Yeah, which I think is an underrated movie, having seen it multiple times now. I love Lego Batman. I love Lego Batman um, as a character. I like the movie. I will. I do want to see it again. I've only seen it the one time, which, you know, my son Jack enjoyed, too. Um, right now we're into um, Unikitty, from, who has her own... TV series on Cartoon Network, which is both obnoxious and brilliant. 
Yeah. Like equal parts obnoxious and brilliant. <laughs> it's a good description of Unikitty. I love that show too. It's one of those shows I don't follow because it's not really a show you need to follow plot wise. But whenever I see a thing I haven't seen, like, cool, let's watch Unikitty. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen Bat Kitty yet, that is an amazing episode of Unikitty. So, since we're talking about Lego Batman, just for a slight little bit. <laughs> but um, I feel like for this sequel, when you make a sequel to something that is completely original, we've, we've had this happen a couple of times recently. I mean, we've had things like everybody was over the moon over Guardians of the Galaxy. And then everyone saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and was like, well, that wasn't as fun. It wasn't as original as the first one. They just gave us the same thing as the first one. That's what people want, though. I know. <laughs> people say, give me more of the same. Then you say, like, uh, that was too samey. Yeah, that was too much of the same. And then they had, um, what was the other one that was completely original? And then they made a sequel. Um, oh, like Ant-Man. That was, was surprisingly interesting. Everyone's like, oh, that was surprising. That was so, so fun. I was really worried because of the director change and blah, 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 blah. And then they got Ant-Man and the Wasp and like, uh, that was that was just like the same thing. And not as, uh, it's, it's that same... It is so original that when they just don't remake the world and they just take you further into the world, for some reason it's a letdown because you were expecting the same feeling of originality from the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people are reacting to if they have a negative feeling of, eh, it wasn't as good as the original. You're expecting that first original it's like going on a second date you know yeah it's it's exciting you like the person you're learning more about them but there's something about there's not that original spark of the first date so what i've heard is that married chris Lavis never had a second date yeah exactly i don't go on second dates i go on first dates and then uh weddings like you that's basically first dates again and again and again and again and again I don't know what you're trying to say about my love life, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying you keep it interesting. Every date is a first date, if you believe. I see what you're saying. I thought you were calling me some kind of womanizer. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Chris Leva only does first dates. <laughs> Not on this podcast. Oh, okay. That's a different yeah. podcast. <laughs> so, if you were to describe... Some, some maybe not specific images or things since we're still in our spoiler-free zone about Lego Movie 2. What are your biggest takeaways and like Pinterest board themes you would relate about Lego Movie 2? Interesting. Um, the thing that it takes off on, the, the theme of... That there was a surprise from the first one, but is a given for for the second one, which is, um, this is in the imagination of somebody. This this world exists in some child's imagination, and I really like the way that they play with that. Of this is happening in the real world and in the imagined world at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I like 
that particular theme. And I won't say too much about it because we're in the spoiler-free zone. But um, I feel bad if Nigel does get an electric guitar or something for that and has to put that in every time we say it. But <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the other theme is just about uh, who a hero can be. Hmm. You know, what makes a hero and who is a hero? And um, what are we expecting from the main character in films now? Yeah, I agree with that point. I feel like I had a different reading of the same thing. Um, mm. I liked how Lego Movie 2 talked about pop culture right now, what we expect in nostalgia movies and how those stories are told and why they're told as a yes. criticism of that. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, but I also just like a movie about like non-toxic masculinity. So yeah, I'm, yay Lego movie too. I'm, I'm there for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm anytime we can get non-toxic masculinity in a film uh, or TV no. show or any media in in real life would be terrific if we could get there in real life I would be there for that too so Lego Movie 2 provides both non-toxic plastic and non-toxic masculinity wow We're, you Very can't nice. be the only one making like bad puns about Legos no I liked it that was okay. me enjoying that that's that's what it sounds it like sound when I like enjoy something <laughs> I can just picture you now sitting in the Lego Movie 2 audience. Ha! That was funny. I totally enjoyed that. It's like you singing the not evil song of Queen Whatever I Want to Be, except it's the song, I really enjoyed that. That movie was so good. But it would hold the so for at least eight counts. So great. <sighs> Man. Um, I think the only thing that I want to share in our non-spoilers out is I really enjoyed, from a writer's perspective, how much writing meta-humor there was in this movie about storytelling. Um, so yes. if, if you're a writer listening to this podcast, you don't think you like the Lego movie or the Lego universe at all, you should at least see this movie because you will get enjoyment out of the writing humor, which may be too much for general audiences and distasteful to general audiences, but I really liked it. <laughs> I think the more that that happens, I I don't know because I identified with it and that's why I enjoyed it. Um, but I feel like it's the best of what happens in Unikitty, which is let's just talk about what we just did and let's just break a few rules and then talk about how we broke the rules. Mm -hmm. um, I love that more than anything i mean that goes all the way back to the goofy cartoons from way back it's just like let's just break this rule and you know we're gonna be fine with it because it's funny mm -hmm. but what goofy didn't do was have goofy say like yep we're breaking the rules <laughs> you know he didn't <laughs> do that too good that's too good for goofy <laughs> thank you um yeah gosh um <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to do the rest of the podcast in goofy voice, but I feel like 
if I did, that would be something akin to what could happen in the Lego movie universe. If they could get Disney to agree to that, yeah. Yeah. I, I do enjoy, and this doesn't give much away, but I just I love that they mentioned the phone calls that they had out to Marvel and it's just oh good stuff like that. That's a lot of meta commentary. And it was tickling. It was it was both satirical and funny in a ha ha way and it, oh my gosh in like a touching way, like the whole cutaway to a reconstruction of the Unikitty cartoon show in the Lego movie too was great. Yes. Yeah, Jack enjoyed that. He shouted, Puppy Corn <laughs> Puppy Corn made it to the big screen briefly. His his whole thing right now he just he has three Lego Kitty Lego sets. He loves did I say Lego Kitty? I meant Unikitty. <laughs> he has three Unikitty we have Dr. Fox's lab, we have like her carnival. He's saving up to get whatever the birthday party so he could have finally have a hockadile like mm. Anyway, if you haven't seen Unikitty, watch Unikitty. But also, if you haven't seen Lego Movie 2, go see Lego Movie 2, because we're about to get into spoilers. That was a good transition. Thank you. I didn't think I could pull it off, but I did. Okay. Ish. Ish. (laughs) Welcome to the Spoiler Zone. (laughs) You're welcome, Nigel. I did that one for you. (laughs) Now he could just take that and put it in all the other ones. Oh, man. <laughs> we have a meta world. Um, so first thing in our spoiler zone, which is spoiler, I think, for both Lego Movie 1 and Lego Movie 2, a lot of people have been talking about, does this live up to the expectations you think you'd have from Lego Movie 1? Which we've kind of talked about in our non-spoiler zone, but like, tell me specifically how you feel. Specifically how I feel, I think... For me, I think it lives up to my expectations that I had for it. All I wanted to do was spend more time with Emmett and spend time with the characters that I liked from the Lego movie and get reminded about the one-off jokes that were slightly funny in the Lego movie but didn't really need. So um, I was sad to not get any Morgan Freeman but he died. You know, that that character was gone. He was dead. We didn't need him. Um, But I just appreciated just the the change that happened, and I wanted to see how the world was affected by the end of the first movie, which is the characters from Duplo coming. You know, the sister gets to come down and play. And what happens. And I love that they start the film at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, your sister's going to come down and then we see exactly what happens from that moment. And then it goes forward. Um, so for my expectations, I feel like they lived up to it. I still wanted something funny and ridiculous, which I got. And they just punched up the humor in a lot of places. I don't know. I was still surprised by certain jokes, and I was still tickled 
by any time there was a spaceship on a string. You know, it's yeah. just like those little things where it just reminds you what it is. I, I felt like I got what I wanted from it. How, how did you feel about watching it? I agree. It was the same fun, but different fun, which is what I wanted, mostly. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to get to know um, Emmett and Lucy more, which I feel like is what this movie delivered. I feel like we yes. got more depth to their character than we did in the first movie. Yes. Um, there's less world building, which is totally fine. We have a world, and in fact, this movie was about breaking things <laughs> to a certain degree. Um, what I kind of what I wish there was maybe a little bit more of, but like I see why there wasn't more of was um, some of the secondary characters getting more screen time. Um, like Unikitty. I love Unikitty. I, I know. know Unikitty has her own TV show, but there was like very minimal Unikitty in this movie. Um, yeah. I, and maybe that's good. I felt, I felt the same thing, mostly because of Jack's feelings for Unikitty. <laughs> I was like, Wait, where is Unikitty? I kept asking, like, what is happening with Unikitty and why doesn't she take a more active role? But I feel like it wasn't about them. It was about Emmett's interior growth. And I, I think that's what happens with a lot of sequels recently is that it's a more of an internal journey as opposed to this external battle. I mean, we, we had that with something like, I think, Incredibles and Incredibles 2, and um, Gar even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was more about um, Chris Pratt's interior journey with and his relationship you know, with his father and things like that. And Yeah, I, and that's I, okay. I think it's fine. It's... It's less about the world, and it, it just goes inside to what's going on with the character. I agree. And the characters that I want to know more about have their own TV show and had their own movie, which they reference in this. And then yes. there's the secondary characters, which may be more funny to um, younger audiences, like Metal Beard and Spaceship Guy. Who Benny. I, I don't need to know more about Spaceship Guy. And I could see, like, well, if we don't say more about Spaceship Guy, do we need to know more about Unikitty? I like the focus of the story. I'm saying I like I like not getting what I wanted in this case. Yes. I knew I, Jack loves Benny. Yeah. What child doesn't love Benny? Spaceship. Like, just a character that just shouts Spaceship and is just so excited about space. Like, Jack is all over that. Yeah. I remember that. I actually forgot about Metal Beard entirely. Really? This movie started as like, why is this pirate here? <laughs> What's on his face? Why does he have a treasure chest and a robot body? I don't know. Did you... And like, re it slowly came back to me during the Okay. Movie. I didn't rewatch Lego Movie 1 going into this. Nick, Nick Offerman, a metal bearded pirate, just the, the thing you never knew you ever wanted. I also think that part of the change is because the change is happening, the real story, the real story is happening in the live action world, which we don't see except through um, 
about four distinct times Mm -hmm. that we understand that, oh, this real story, the real narrative is happening in the real world, the, the live action world. So in the first movie, it's a story about a boy helping his father relearn how to have fun with toys and not just use toys to put them on display and to have fun and open your heart to your child, which I feel like that story didn't quite pay off in the way that I wanted it to in the second movie. Um, Like Will Ferrell going off to play golf and do other stuff. And I know probably they didn't want to pay that Will Ferrell money, but I'm, but story-wise I felt like, Maybe the dad didn't learn as much as I thought he did from that experience. <laughs> and that's okay, because it's hard for fathers to change um, sometimes. <laughs> and then, but but this story being about a young boy growing up <laughs> in real time, five years later, growing up. The same um, boy, mind the you. The same boy, which was really cool. Um, so the boy putting the Lego movie. <laughs> Right. I can't wait for five years until, you know. Like it will be five, more. the collector's edition. <laughs> oh, goodness. That, that would be a great, actually. I would, I would watch it. Um, but the, the fact that he's growing up and he's going through a change, but also that his sister's going through a change, too, and she just wants that relationship with him and that relationship that she wants that come play with me um, causes this big fight and this big thing between them. And I just love that what's happening psychologically with the characters um, in the Lego world is something struggling because we don't know whose brain we're in. Mm-hmm for um, certain segments of it and who's, which character is struggling. And I just enjoy that we're seeing two wholly different internal worlds as two different kids in different places and different ages are trying to figure life out. So sitting down for this movie, um, like before it started, I remember sitting there and turning to the group and saying like, I don't think there's going to be any more live action in this. I don't think that's needed anymore. <laughs> and boy, was I wrong. Um, but coming off of Lego Batman movie where there's no live action, it's like, cool, they told that story they wanted to tell in the real world. Awesome. But I did really like that, that was back in here. And I found something uh, director Mike Mitchell said about Finn, the, the live action boy. He really is that kid grown up and now he's a teenager. He was the perfect age that we wanted them to be to tell the story about how he's getting older Everything has to be rough and dusty and cool, like in that apocalyptic world. Everything he plays with is rusty and has spikes. It's like, yeah, that is, I guess, teenage Lego fan growing up mentality. Like, yeah, you still have that creative, let's build anything, but you have a focus to that anything that you want to build. Let's build yes. anything with rust and spikes. Let's have it be Apocalypseburg. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not fun just to build a city. It's let's just make it dark and gritty and take these characters and do something f- fun with them, as opposed to the um, sister who's glitter and pop music. It's not just 
the Legos that live in her toy world. It's anything can be in that toy world for her. Glitter, right. stickers, cake pops, phone. Yes. I did appreciate um, the stickers being used. And they did a little bit with that um, in the first movie when they talk about the relics of the um, the band Um where they had like this band-aid that they used to tie people up with and some other things. And Q-Teep, um, where they take off was nail oh the the polish of nail <laughs> so with that uh, they remove the good cop's face yes I, I just i appreciated that we still see that when you're playing with lego sometimes the real world can be stuck in there like yes they are little characters but we can use these in here <laughs> um the cake pops were hilarious. Yeah, I don't I, know I, what that was about, but I'm like, sure, great. <laughs> I'll buy it. I'll take yeah, it. <laughs> we'll take it. I also really enjoyed that Maya Rudolph and our Armageddon completely hinged on the classic trope of stepping on a Lego brick with a barefoot. It's the pain is real. <laughs> the pain is real. Um, Lego bricks I can I can see like Lego bricks on carpet aren't as bad but Lego bricks on hard floor you know if one of them gets kicked into the kitchen and you hit one of those with your bare foot on on hard floor it's you're gonna be indented for a week yeah you you feel every little thing in that it's because the thing is, you never hit just one thing. It's the corners. Those corners are sharp. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Danish design. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they hurt. Um, the kids never seem to step on them. But I, I don't know how they avoid them. They're running around like crazy people with Legos all over the floor. Smaller feet. I guess so. I don't it's like, understand. It's like hunting for deer. Like the deer have their own walkways and paths, but then as a hunter, like you don't know where those are. You're kind of crossing them like crazy. The kids are the deer. They have their like paths that they take through the toys. <laughs> and you as an adult, you're like, oh, Lego. Ah. I I did appreciate that it was <laughs> That it had, what am I trying to say? Okay, when when the first Lego movie came out, they were able to get to the heart of, here's what Legos are about. Legos are about building, but they're also about having imagination and having fun and just building whatever you can imagine. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Um. And then telling a story based around that idea. And that they took that. And the second one is just about what it's like. What, Not just what Legos can do, but what Legos and 
playing and family is about. Like, it got really deep. It wasn't just about playing with Legos. It was about the idea of playing together as a family and what mm-hmm. that should look like and shouldn't look like. And I, I, I think that's where it got me a little bit more this time. I, it was just like yeah. when, when Bianca says, you know, I just wanted you to play with me. It's like heartbreak city. Like, you know, and I will say I did drive the hour and a half up to Oakland and we did go see this with my sister. And I was like, okay, if coming from a Lego household, I'm glad I saw this particular movie with my sister. <laughs> it felt like it was like a movie of our childhood to a certain degree. With really? stealing back and forth of Legos. And we both had the same like Star Wars and like crazy Lego sets. So they, they mesh better together thematically and color wise. <laughs> As opposed to having the Lego friends, which is more quote, you know, female-based, girl-based. These are the girls' Legos that are the Lego Friends line and the regular minifigs, which I I hadn't had a chance to read some articles, but they were talking about the difficulty of having the Lego Friends-styled characters (laughs) versus the regular minifigures. Because the articulation of the legs is completely different. Yeah. I appreciated that they... So if the first movie, they kind of blew my mind with like the Legos and assembling them in different ways. What blew my mind in this movie was staying true to the toys of the Lego friends. just kind of like waddling like a penguin. Right. To walk. But also um, Queen whatever wannabe. She could be whatever she wanted... But the rule was it had to only use the original bricks found in her original form. No extra right. bricks. Which is a remarkable rule. <laughs> and the fact that she was able to transform so much just shows you, you know, what can be done. And looking at the, um, they have several sets with with queen whatever um and it's just interesting to see oh that yeah that she was the pony she was this she was that she's whatever she she needs to be mm-hmm. and whatever, whatever she wants to be one need be <laughs> um the other thing was because and i i found this interesting but because it was now a younger kid again so Finn gets older, so there's not as much music. It's not as much about being awesome anymore. It's just brooding and dark apocalypse that we have Bianca, the sister, and her world is actually filled with music so much so that now the Lego movie is a musical and has about <laughs> at least three songs in the story that are sung. And that's um, not counting the reprises of Everything is Awesome. Correct. Because then we have the... Uh, we have I'm Not Evil. Mm-hmm. Let me let me go to my Apple Music here because I, I did download it. So we oh, have... Yeah. I need to get that. Let's see. Not Evil. 
Um, we have Catchy Song, which is the, quote, brainwashing song. Um, and then Gotham City Guys. Ah, oh, so good. So those are the main three songs that we get, but somehow it felt like we had more music um, than that. It was just music was such a presence. I, I'm trying to think of, of what I want to say. Like music created, like the best musicals, a nice emotional through line that we were getting. I mean, I did love um, Not Evil. Yeah. That, that song is gorgeous. Uh, it was very, uh, both my sister and I were thinking about the, um, uh, the wander over yonder, the Disney channel show, the similar song they have in there. Um, I'm the bad guy where the villain sings about how she is the bad guy and not yes. a damsel in distress. And it's, they're thematically two opposite songs, but they operate very similarly. Right. And we both appreciated that. It, it is a villain song sung by somebody who's not the villain. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever seen somebody sing about not being a villain through a villain song. But it has to be that because the characters don't trust her. And the best way to not trust her is to sing a villain song and assume that she's the bad guy. So you start to wonder, okay... Whose mind is this? You know, is this in Bianca's head? And is she trying to talk to Finn? Like, look, like, let's just play together. So I start, I, my brain starts going dramaturgically figuring out which kid is in control of which scenes. Mm -hmm. But I, I do just appreciate that there's this fight thematically that here's, here's where they're really getting in um, into a fight for control of these particular Lego figures. So it almost seems like this is the moment before they pull them and she runs upstairs and keeps them. But it's, it's just interesting to see. Mm, I do I love mean, that if, song so much. If I were trying to get some minifigs to play with me for five years, I would probably also, as a little child, sing like, you can trust me. I'm not evil. Having a good time playing with you. I'm not evil. Or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could totally and, be Bianca World. I'd be okay with that. I think anything that's musical <laughs> is Bianca World. Yeah, it has to be. Um, and then the Gotham City Guys song. Brilliant. With, um, with Batman. Um was brilliant for a lot of different reasons. I love that it's this manipulation of Batman. Um, she knows he's a narcissist, so saying that she doesn't want him is exactly what's going to get him to want her. And I just, I just love that that's great character manipulation. Um, I, I loved... the the meta-ness of that in terms of she says something about you know lips or he says like i have the um looks of george clooney and the lips of val kilmer or something <laughs> yes 
And then she says, I'm more of a Keaton guy, girl. Or, oh, no, she says something about, no, I, I couldn't love you, not even when you were Christian Bale. And he says, I'm more of a Keaton guy. And she's like, oh, I loved him in Beetlejuice. Um, same girl, same. It's just like, oh. <laughs> Bianca's parents are letting them watch, like, crazy movies. I'm okay with that. No, I'm, I feel like I'm fine that, with that's it. what you do. Like, you have kids. You're like, here are all these old movies that I love and have, and are appropriate for you, rather than renting new ones. Yeah, but is Beetlejuice appropriate for someone Bianca's age? I mean, I watched it when it was new when I was little. Oh no. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I turned out fine. Yes, I understood all the Bruce Willis jokes in this movie. I'm probably go okay. Yeah, that's true. I do enjoy that Bruce Willis was in there and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and um, there were a couple other fun. I, I love the Wizard of Oz characters leading the <laughs> leading the dance through the catchy song. I I appreciated that. Yeah, and they weren't afraid. It was getting new cameos and references in the same spirit of the first one and where it got super meta i think was having jason momoa be aquaman this time and gal gadot played wonder woman great so they updated their justice league lineup with real ones and, and um uh margo robbie playing harley yeah so my question for you with everything we've talked about with this movie <clears throat> is because it seems like there's less audience excitement for lego movie 2 supposedly possibly for we see I mean, many, little bits of evidence personally anecdotally in my life people are like oh yeah that's coming out like they seem there's people who love lego movie 1 aren't really like right. jazzed for lego movie 2 yes do you think there's a reason for this are we legoed out um will it just hit its stride in the long run like every other lego movie i feel like it will meet it hit its stride a little bit later i think right now february is a difficult month for an animated film to come out there's not really you know a holiday to take your kids out like oh yeah for kids yes yeah you're not really gonna go out and do something um i think most people aren't like me and my wife to go take each other to go see it for valentine's day um, so I don't know. I, I think it will catch up and, and meet its stride. And I'm sure that it will do, um, to use movie people speak, do boffo business in, um, home sales. So I'm sure it'll, it'll make up its money there. Um, I don't know if people are just not like, well, I don't have to see that the first weekend. And maybe they'll catch up on, you know, President's Day or something. Do people do President's Day? I don't know. I'm, I feel it's... like presidents did President's Day. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure that... I, I don't think kids have school on President's Day. And so somebody's got to do something with the kids on President's Day. And why not go see Lego Movie 2? I'm glad I don't do the advertising for Lego Movie um, I, why but, not go see Lego Movie 2 a 30 why, second TV spot 
<laughs> come on, just, you know, what else are you going to do? Just just pay some money and go to the movies. Do you want to play with Legos at home, or do you want to pay to see people play with Legos? I think you would like to have the emotional um, catharsis of reliving your own childhood and seeing what it is to be human by deconstructing Legos. I'm gonna break it. Break it. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's it's has its own sequel itis in terms of the second movie always does a little bit lower. Um, usually that's just because people know what they're going to get and they don't have to rush out to go see it and maybe word of mouth will catch up but i think it'll be fine yeah totally i'm i'm all for a lego movie 3 i'm not all for a lego movie necessarily 4 or 5 i know earlier we talked about lego movie 5 but i you know in a theoretical <laughs> world um thematically i think lego movie 3 would be fine I mean, if you count big screen Lego universe, the next one is five. Really? Because you got Lego Movie 1, Lego Batman, Ninjago, Lego Movie 2. That next one would be the fifth one. Is Ninjago part of... I mean, I think it's the same studio. It's the same theme. I didn't see Ninjago, sadly. Yeah, I, I can't Because I didn't watch tell. the show, which I've heard is great, but... Eh. I don't know. I don't understand. I'll catch Ninjago at some point. Yeah. I'm sure we will. Ninjago? Ninjago? I don't well, even know how to they, say it. They say it's, it's Ninjago, but they're like, Ninjago! In different things. We saw the we saw it at the Legoland Discovery Center. We saw a 4D film. Ooh. That's, a, that's as much Ninjago I've seen. Now with time as a dimension. Uh, yeah, no, now with <laughs> squirting water in your face as a dimension. <laughs> um, not Which okay Jack did dimension. not enjoy. <laughs> Jack hated it. So I don't think he'll ever want to see a Ninjago thing ever again. Um, <laughs> for better or worse. He, uh, but I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, not that we've danced around the subject, but I want to I ask you about the hero of this film and the villain of this film. And what Are you they thought the about same? it. <laughs> so, um, so, so that's my question. Like, what do you? Okay. What did you think about the hero and villain of this film, and the pay payoffs and the delivering of that? I liked it. Um, I feel like, as an uh, adult viewer and as someone who writes, like. They threw in a time travel reference, like, offhand in the background way too early, so it's obvious from then on. It's like, oh, okay, so either Rex is future Emmett or General Mayhem is future Lucy or both. I can't tell. Mm. But, like, it was clear at that point that something was going to happen. Um, so, I don't know. It, it felt, like, a little too obvious to me, but I liked what they did with it, if that helps. It helps. When did they bring okay. up the... What was the, the reference, the time travel... I think the first like real world scene they do, they show Finn and he says, "Not now, Bianca. I'm in the middle of this complex plot. It's time travel and everything." It's like, "Oh, great. Okay, so someone is time traveling in this movie." Hmm. 
I miss. <laughs> I must tell have you, missed that. He tells you that it's about time travel, like in the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> I missed that reference. <clears throat> okay, but well, next time you'll see it. I did notice the cowlicks were the same for yeah. Rex and Emmett. So it was just a differently colored vest suit. Yeah, and I did appreciate the uh, <laughs> the Chris Pratt double double whammy and just making fun of Chris Pratt's career and Chris yes. Pratt's weight loss and <laughs> this chiseled I, facial features underneath baby fat. I like that the trailer showed the headlining Chris Pratt like sizzle reel, but they kept doing more sizzle reels about his careers throughout. Um, and I cracked up at Chris Pratt, like, or not Chris Pratt, but, you know, Rex Danger Vest, script doctor. And I'm like, of course, this this is a movie for writers because they're talking about these exciting careers and one of them is script doctor. <laughs> Raptor trainer, script doctor. They're about even. And part of me was like, when was Chris Pratt ever, uh, ever a cowboy? And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, no, he was in the um, that one movie, The Magnificent Seven, so... Yeah, he was a he was a cowboy. Seems right. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm up on my pratology. I'm not sure. I, mm, that sounds too close to proctology. Right. <laughs> yeah. Prativerse. Oh. Um. But yeah, I I <clears throat> liked what they the ultimate message was like. This is what you could be. Is this really what you want to be? Mm. And how do how do young boys in America become that? It's because they're isolated and alone, and they don't have friends to talk to. And they they just shun the the female side, mm -hmm. the fun side, the fun side. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. Ultimately, it was a choice for. Emmett, actual Emmett, not Rex. Um, does he want to be Rex, which is kind of what he wanted to be from the beginning and what everyone said he should be and expected of him? Or does he want to be an Emmett that he enjoys being and his friends like, even though they told him different stuff? Right. Like, no, we don't want that. We want you as you are. Yeah. And I do appreciate that message, too, of grow up. And everyone always saying, like, grow up, grow up, grow up, and not exactly knowing what that means to grow up. Grow up does not mean be serious. Mm -hmm. You know, grow up is understanding things on a different level and being more intentional with your life. Yeah. I'm speaking to everybody now is, you know, when you know when you grow up, you're you're making decisions and you're actually able to see how those decisions um lead to damaged relationships or healthy relationships. You you get to decide and I think that that moment of Finn reflecting in the basement and thinking about Emmett and just making that decision of, you know what? I'm the one who taught my sister to like Legos. 
and now I'm shunning her and all she wants to do is play with me and play Legos together. Like, like is that the person I want to be? Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that they spent so long on that. And then that they, that Rex said it out loud in a really ridiculous, beautiful line that I can't remember the specifics of, but just saying like, this is all something happening in an adolescent boy's head. It was, it's, it's a really artful line and really meta and amazing, but yeah, it's adolescent boy saying, you know what? I'm going to play Legos with my sister and that's fine. And she can do her thing and I'll do mine thing and we'll, we'll play together. And we're all going to, put this massive Lego assembly outside of the back patio because this must be shot and taking place in California where it never rains. Because <laughs> me, like, Ohio, child, I'm like, why would you put that many Legos outside? Like, you can't get them all inside if it starts to rain. <laughs> What's going on? I was offended by that moment. As, as a New Mexico kid, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of grass. Where's all the dirt? <laughs> You can have your Legos outside. That's fine. It's just dirt and rocks. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely takes place in California. <laughs> Where they have children named Finn and Bianca. <laughs> As a now Californian, I feel like I can judge California for that. <laughs> but the parents are Maya Rudolph and Will Ferrell, so that's a good mix. It's a good trade-off. It is a good trade-off. And I did appreciate in this film, just as a side really really side thing I did appreciate that we get to understand where the sitcom honey where are my pants comes from that it's a like common occurrence for the dad to just be like honey where are my pants I did appreciate that that was Jack cracked up and was so delighted that they talked about where are my pants again (laughs) Like that's his favorite thing from the first film. Uh, I guess a lot of people liked it, which is why they had to bring it back. <laughs> Where are my pants? <laughs> he, Jack does it really well. He does it really well. I believe it. <laughs> I'll ask him about it next time. That should have been his favorite thing. Um, <laughs> so speaking of meta humor, um, I feel like I've mentioned a lot about how much I love the writing meta humor in this, and... I think I like it. I don't know if I just like it because it was so like shockingly honest about what they were doing and how they're manipulating audiences. <laughs> and if that will wear down over time or if I just liked it because like, aha, I get that. Can you say a little bit more about that? <sighs> Rex Dangerous is a whole bunch of one-liners that move the plot forward in obvious ways and they're so obvious that it makes them obvious. Like, they land at one point. He's like, the time is blank. The ticking clock has ticking. I'm like, and it is a ticking clock. Thank you for reminding us. And it is ticking. And I, I do appreciate every device he has is literally a plot device. Yes. <laughs> he always has a device that is itself a plot device describing a piece of the plot to move the plot forward. And if for one time, I think it was cheating and judge it. But because that happened multiple times, it's definitely intentional. And it's all cheating and easy. And it feels cheap, but in a cheap way that I really enjoy. (laughs) But it also feels like a smart kid 
like playing. Like this is a kid who's seen obviously Marvel movies because yeah. you know because <laughs> you you have your uh, Rex Danger vest is basically every Chris Pratt character ever. He is a galaxy defending. Right. Whatever. He goes in a fist-shaped ship, which looked, at first, I thought it looked a little bit more like the Tantive Four from Star Wars, and then it comes at you head-on, and I'm like, oh, it's a giant fist. Like, okay. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Fist Fist bump. Um, But I did appreciate that it, it could be a kid who's seen a lot of these movies making it up and what they would do. I'd, you know, build this little thing that does this. And it's the same kind of kid who would take apart all the time machines. You know, the DeLorean, the the TARDIS, <laughs> the H.G. Wells, um, even the Bill and Ted phone booth. like A hot tub. A hot tub, which is just the cherry on top of that joke. <laughs> This hot tub. <laughs> what are things that are time machines? <laughs> and yes, I know it's a real reference. <laughs> I, I just, I, I do just love, like, that if it, it's both the writers, but it makes sense as a kid who's grown up with these kinds of movies to put these things in his world of this is what it's like to have this plot. <laughs> so I'm putting this in here. Yeah. I mean, I've done stuff like that. I had way back when I had this cartoon character dog who was this sweet dog who was really funny. And um, a friend of mine stole my notebook and drew the funeral for my cartoon character. Like, I killed him. Like, he's dead. And I was like, what? Like, he killed my character. So then I resurrected my character and gave him, like, uh, you know, a, a Bruce Willis-type T-shirt and these huge muscles because he, like, got resurrected and gave him a war beret and, like, you know, put him through and there were all these explosions and stuff. Like, you don't get to kill my character. My character comes back and he's, like, comes back from the dead. I love that you didn't ignore it. You just built that into the story. Right. And then he shrank back down because... You know, he took the revenge he needed to, but he left the beret to remind himself that he had died once already. He Gandalf the Whited. Like, that's the thing. Like, he still wears it. I draw that same character for Jack, you know, and he still has this beret for, like, this dumb reason of this guy in in high school killed my cartoon character. This beret is a reminder of death. (laughs) Meaninglessness of life. Let me draw you for my son. (laughs) Doop to doop. Um, no, Dorky Dog, you know, died and it was sad. And, but I, I do understand. <laughs> His name is Dorky Dog. That's why it was sad when he died. But it makes for good alliteration the death of Dorky Dog. The death of Dorky Dog. As told by his best friend, Dopey Duck. Ah. Uh. A lot of D's there. I know. <laughs> I didn't really bring my A game. Uh, <laughs> you brought your D game. <laughs> <Bum-bum>. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> Look, I had the character when I was like 
eight. So the fact I love that you had the character, you didn't come up with the character. Like you birthed the character. You had the character. I saw I saw this cartoon dog face in some carpet at asthma camp, and I drew it. <laughs> Story. What is the origin of Turkey Dog? <laughs> now we're way off base, but <laughs> anyway. I enjoyed the way that the story was told because, again, it's the way that Finn would have played if he was trying to make sense of the things that his sister was doing and incorporating it in some way while still trying to get his toys back. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I love about it. That it's it's meta because kids are totally meta. Like, I'm just going to say what what this is doing because it needs to do this because I need it to so I can go do the thing. Mm-hmm. So I just I just appreciate that it sounds like kids playing, even though it's also the screenwriters and movie makers commenting on what they're doing in the movie. It's also works on the character level. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. So it's it's super it's super fun. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> any more we want to say about Lego Movie Two: Cole in the second part? I just feel like it's. I'm I'm glad that we it's it's so based on character, and I'm glad that it was this time. Yeah, you know, I stayed through the credits hoping to see more Unikitty. Yeah, but. There's more Unikitty on TV whenever like, we want. I'm just going to go watch some some Unikitty. Yeah, you know. that's okay. Without Jack, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I have to rewatch it with him later. I know. Did you... Like the news episode of Unikitty. The Bat Kitty and the news episode of Unikitty are like... They're the most brilliant pieces I've seen since Animaniacs. I don't like, think I've seen either yet. I'll have to check them out. Yeah. The news I've one... I've fallen behind. Okay. So, listeners, go see Lego Movie 2. Go see Unikitty. Go watch Unikitty on Cartoon Network. But did you have anything else to say? Uh, no, I think I just have favorite things. Okay. What, what was your favorite thing from this? So my first favorite thing, <laughs> my original favorite thing before I was reminded that I had a different favorite thing. My first favorite thing leaving the movie was uh, Jeff the Apocalyptic Kitty Cat. It just has like a mace for a tail and a deep voice. Yeah. Um, so that I really enjoyed. But then I was reminded by my husband that my actual favorite thing <laughs> is Rex Dangervest telling to his, his engine crew Raptors, turn it up to 11 in a reference to Spinal Tap for its older adults. Like, haha, 11. And then he builds on top of that because you have to now turn it up to 11 times two. And then there's a Raptor turns to other and does a series of Raptor clicks. <laughs> And the just subtitle as 22 exclamation point. <laughs> like, that is how math works. I should have seen that coming. It's totally literal. <laughs> the best part is just a translation of raptor clicks. Right. And I loved it. I, I just, there were so many raptors. There were so many <laughs> raptors. I need to look up what all their names reference. Well, I, <sighs> I think a lot of them, I mean, the fact that we get one named Ripley. Yeah have to be action movie and Connor for um, from Terminator. You think so? 
I think I there's think so. action movie raptors. I think they're action movie raptors, but female action movie raptors. I think. Oh yeah, Sarah Connor. You're right. So interesting. I want to say Alice Ripley, but that's somebody else. That, so Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley. <laughs> Ellen Ripley. Alice Ripley on Broadway. Um, what was your favorite thing, Chris? <laughs> my favorite. I had a. I enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, I think my absolute favorite thing is from the credits, the song Super Cool by Beck, which features Robin and the Lonely Island. Um, specifically, so it's the end song. And at the end, I don't know, did you stay for the credits? I did. And then they just, they have this lyric in there that says, it's the credits, yeah, that's the best part, when the movie ends and the reading starts. And they just keep talk for two or three minutes, it feels like a long time, talking about watching credits and reading credits and reading the names. And like, I come to the movies to see the assistant producer or something. And it's just like, what? (laughs) They make you stay for the credits and you read them, to be fair. It's like, are you singing about watching the credits? And so we just stayed and watched the credits. And that's when Jack and his friend Callie recognized that there was a projector in the back. They're like, let's watch the credits from there. So they stared at the projector instead of at the screen because they wanted to see the credits going up on the projector. So I was like, what are you guys, what, what is this? And like um, meta on meta. Yeah, it was amazing. And then we went mm. to the, the Legoland Discovery Center store to look at all the Lego sets from the movie. And Jack was like, hey, everyone around me, be quiet. <laughs> and they were, they were playing the, um, the catchy song. Uh, which, that is stuck in my head. Yeah. So as exactly that, as they promised. That was going on. And Jack was just like, everybody, the fact that he just shouted, like, everyone around me, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, how long is this song? I think they had a remix because it was... <laughs> I think it went on for about 15 minutes. But I, I, I enjoy the song. It's a good thing that I like it. But I'm, I'm hoping to um, that I don't hit a limit of why is this song still on. I'm bobbing right now as we record because I'm listening to it in my mind brain. <laughs> oh, my mind brain. Speaking of getting into your mind brain, um, should we talk about homework time? I can't do segues. I'm really bad. You segged well a lot today. Don't worry. For your homework, watch all the Oscar-nominated animated shorts from the year 2019. Well, for the for Oscars, the for the year 2019. Most of them came out last year. All of them came out last year. <laughs> and while you're at it, probably watch the Oscars also. Because by the time we get to the next episode, someone will have already won. We're going to make predictions of who's going to win because we'll record it before then. But someone will have won the Oscar. By the time it gets released. But you'll have, you'll get to learn an unbiased opinion. So we're not just talking about the winner. We're talking about all of them and the features and benefits of each one. Wow, features and benefits. Yes. (laughs) Tell me your sales pitch now. (laughs) 
Well, that's what that's what the Oscars are, right? They're like you you win something, so you have to have a good argument for why. It's like a big popularity contest, and Bao's going to win, right? <clears throat> and that's, I know that's next time. That's next time. I'm, I'm undecided. I like Bao a lot. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, as always, thank you to our engineer Nigel Catino for putting up with our insanity. Um, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music, which adds to our insanity. <laughs> you can find us on the web. Let us know what you loved about the Lego Movie 2, the second part, on Twitter, at WG Animated. You can find our show notes on Facebook, like us there, and also on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. This song's gonna get stuck in your head. This song's gonna get stuck in your head. I do enjoy that they say don't try to fight it just sing just sing along it's it's stuck it's there it's it's in there I'm probably gonna have to listen to it again to get it out is, is that a fallacy that, like, that is a fallacy the nice thing about it is it is two lines basically and that's almost people remember of that earworm so like it's fine because that's all that it that's all that it needs to be mm-hmm uh, Good night, everybody. This song's gonna get stuck in your head. This song's gonna get stuck in your head.